So a few things have changed since we last talked. You said last time that you believe that the Bucks were the team to be in the NFC, and I agreed with you. And then they went and got slacked on Sunday Night Football. Can it? Can they recover from a loss like this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is something that, that happened to the Packers. I, I think we talked about this with the Packers. They when they got uh, pushed around by the Bucks, you know, a few, a few weeks before that, so it happens, right? Like teams, there there are games throughout the season, maybe one or two games throughout the season where you don't put on your best performance. And I think we all can agree the Bucks are are a better team than what they showed uh, on that Sunday night game. Um, and and yeah, I mean, to me, what is concerning, if anything, <clears throat> to, to me, what's more concerning is that they are zero and two against. New Orleans didn't necessarily that one performance. You don't want to see that from a contending team, but I don't think that changes. I think the Bucks are still who they are. They're a very good defensive team, although they didn't show that um, on Sunday. And they still have a plethora of weapons, although they were shut out um, for the most part against New Orleans. So I don't think that changes. I still think, um, to me, if you were to ask me today, I still think Tampa Bay is a team to beat. But then again, there was the Packers. They took care of business on the road against the 49ers. But there's a night football game, and you have Seattle right there as well. And I think the Saints, you know, went healthy when you bring back guys like Michael Thomas. Um, and then, you know, um, with uh, Alvin Kamara playing at the level that he's playing with, they can they, they can all be, you know, right there at the top. And I think come playoff time, um, obviously that's, that's when we'll see um, who's who. Okay, so I agree with you. I think that they can come back from this. But the biggest thing that has changed now is that they would really have to win out to win the NFC South because of where they are, where they're uh, below the Saints. And now it becomes, we've been talking about them as a potential one or two seed. And now we're talking about them, that they're probably going to be a five or six seed. They'll be a wild card team. And instead of having zero or one road games, they're going to have to win three. And Brady's never won back-to-back road games in the playoffs of his career. Well, the, I think the thing about that this year is how much how much stock is, should we put into playing road games on the road this season without the fans, right? Like that. I mean, that's that's what makes makes it. You know, it's it's the the, the crazy routing environment when you hit the road and you know you're playing in a, in, you know in a different environment. Now, what I will say is, if anything, you know, if that is the case, if Tampa Bay does um, become a walk card team and they do have to travel on the road, is you know, it's a lot different from playing in Tampa Bay than playing in Seattle. You know, in late December, early January. That's um, excuse me, early January, middle January. That's that's a big difference. It's, it's a lot different from playing in Tampa Bay and in, 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 Green, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in, in that January when we talk about weather. And that's to me, that's the that's the difference. But as far as this year without any fans, you know, still with Lambo, I don't think Lambo is going to have any fans this year. So what, what does Lambo feel without that that crazy crowd noise? So to me, the only the biggest home field advantage is, hey, you have to travel on the road maybe a day earlier, and they have to deal with the weather. But everybody has to deal with that. But it's still going to be a quiet environment for the most part, and it's still going to be playing high-level football. So, I mean, sure, you know, I think it's still it's still our season left. We still have, you know, this is we're entering into week 10. So, I mean, there's still a lot of games, you know, uh, to be made out. I, I have to look at their schedules. But, you know, I, I'm, not too, I'm not too concerned about the Bucs moving forward. Yeah, those, those, are, those are that's all true. So, Seattle, Russell Wilson had another – Turnover-filled game. Their defense still looks bad, even after the trade for Carlos Dunlap and getting Jamal Adams back. And we've seen this story before, where a team is so dependent on their star quarterback and they don't have a, a good defense. Seattle just doesn't have a bad defense. They have a, a historically bad defense. They are still 6-2 and two atop the NFC West, but what is the ceiling for this team? 
Yeah, I mean, you have to keep letting Russ cook because the defense is what it is. And it kind of reminds me of what I was talking about the Packers. Um, I think beforehand, the Packers defense, they're not as bad as Seattle's, but you can't really rely on the Packers defense to win your game. So that what that means is, and I know it's pretty simple and like does, Russ is going to have to just outscore other teams. And, and like, you know, he's just going to have to put the team on his back. Now, I think Russ is capable of doing that, but that's not something that you want to have to do game in and game out, especially when it comes to playoff time. So, I mean, you know, Seattle, at the end of the day, you know, if they win that NFC West, and we, we all know how tough the NFC West is, whether it's with Arizona trailing right behind them. Arizona's a very good team. Um, the 49ers, even though they've been banged up, they're still a more formidable team. And the Rams as well, they're, they're solid. You could make an argument that all four teams should probably make the playoffs. If they win the NFC West, you know, we have, to, we have to, you know, give them some credit for that because that is a gauntlet, and they end up making it out. I think Seattle still is a good team, but, yes, the defense definitely has some issues. Uh, so Green Bay lost to Minnesota a couple weeks ago, and last time I talked, we talked, I said I didn't think Green Bay was tough enough. They don't match up with these physical teams. Their run defense is bad, but I still believe that they're a good team. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams might be the best quarterback-receiver duo in the entire league. But I do have my concerns. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some concern there after you watch Dalvin Cook run off of four touchdowns. But then again, it is Dalvin Cook, and he, he saw what he did running for 200 yards uh, against, I believe it was uh, Detroit the other day as well. But, yeah, um, uh, Green Bay has some issues, specifically on the defensive side. I'm not really concerned about them offensively, as you just mentioned. Monte Adams is making a strong case for the best wide receiver in the league. Um, Aaron Rodgers is playing like an MVP level. They got Aaron Jones back this week. They'll get Jamal Williams back. And Alan Lazard, their wide receiver number two, he comes back pretty soon too. So offensively, they're running into shape. Defensively, against the 49ers, they played their most complete game. They had two takeaways. Um, both the Smith brothers made a return. Um, uh, both the Smith brothers played the best game of, of uh, their season this week as they both helped force turnovers as well. So, um, yeah, I mean – there's still some. There's still a very flawed team, specifically on the defensive side. Um, but you know, what I like what I saw um, last Thursday when they went on the road to the Bay Area. But they still have both their games versus Chicago, and they still have to play Detroit. And obviously, there's Detroit, but divisional games are tough. We saw that with Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And I'm not comparing Detroit to New Orleans, but um, how how we saw the Packers play the Vikings, they didn't have their best showing. So divisional games are always tough and. I mean, like I said, they're still halfway through the season. I think there's still some adjustments they can make moving forward, but we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Give me your top five receivers. So you talked about Devonta Adams. Give me your top five in the NFL oh, right now. Beautiful. Okay. Here, here's my three, right? Here, here's my three. And I, I've been I've been thinking about this. I'm gonna go DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Right. Number one. Um, I think what he does as far as I, as far as just uh, I mean overall wide receiver, his ability just to catch everything that is thrown to him is so ridiculous. Then I'll go. Then I'll excuse me, I'll go Hawkins, and then I'll go Julio Jones. Uh, I, I think you still have to give Julio, um, you know, his, his just due. Even though he's missed a lot of time, it is still Julio Jones. Make no mistake about that. The number three is Devontae Adams. So I don't know where I had Devontae Adams coming into you know my wide receiver rankings before I started covering the Packers, but immediately this is going back to last year. I saw how special he was. His route running ability is. Second to none. He's the best route runner in the league. On top of that, he can beat you over the top. We saw that he did that clearly in the the first, um, you know, the the, the first uh, offensive set, you know, of the game. And then um, he got to make all the contested catches as well. So right now, you know, I wouldn't put Adams over those other two because the other two have been doing it, performing at this level for so many years, and they're continuing to do that. And I'm not gonna let a handful of games this season give Adams to jump over everybody else. But outside of those top two, 
I actually will put him over Michael Thomas now. And then Michael Thomas will be my four. And then you can toss up, you know, number five. You can, you can give it to Tyreek Kill. You can give it to Mike Evans or whoever the case might be. But I think, I think that Adams has separated himself from that middle group of guys. I think still it's Julio and Hop. You can switch A, you know, one A, one B. But then after that, I, I will have Monte Adams. Okay. Yeah, I agree with your top three. And then I had DK Metcalf number four, and then I had Tyreek Hill number five. I think Tyreek Hill is someone that we really, like, we know what he is. We know he's fast. We know he plays for Kansas City. We know the connection with Patrick Mahomes and him. But he's really someone that we don't talk enough about when we talk about the premier elite receivers in the league. We always, like you said, we talk about D-Hop and Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, and rightfully so. But I think when we talk about those guys that we should be talking about Tyreek Hill. I think we really don't because, I don't know if it's because of his size, because it's not physically imposing like a DK Metcalf or something like that, but I think when we have this conversation that Tyreek Hill needs to be in it. I think that's totally fair. Um, the thing about Kansas City is obviously they have a lot of weapons, um, so they can spread around a lot, and of course the quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, the best QB in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill definitely has a case, you know, around that top five, but I, I do think there's some separation between that top three and then kind of everybody else, even with DK Metcalf, I probably will slide. I'll probably slide Michael Thomas over DK Metcalf because I, I want to see Metcalf continue to do this for the rest of the season. Okay, uh, he had he showed flashes of that obviously last year, and he's he's put himself in that conversation this year. But like I said, I, I, I from for me personally, I consider that what the other guys have been doing a little bit longer. We've seen that, but Metcalf is clearly on that path. And for me, I'd put Metcalf. I give him the edge over the next crop of guys like a Mike Evans. And, you know, whoever else you might put, or maybe Keenan, Keenan Allen as well, too. So the Cowboys currently sit at the number three spot in the draft order. If they end up with one of these two, like the first two draft picks, should they draft a quarterback? That's a good question. I'm not for sure. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about that. Um, I think um, if, if they if they put themselves in a position to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, Justin Fields, absolutely. Um, you can probably move on from an injured Dak Prescott. Um, and, um, you know, get a fresh, young, elite talent, I, I, you don't pass that up. Especially, you know, somebody as box office that is Trevor Lawrence, although I don't think they'll be there. Uh, I think that'll go, definitely go to the Jets. Maybe, you know, um, I don't think, I don't, also don't think the Cowboys will finish worse in their division either. Um, so somebody else will probably beat them to that. <clears throat> and then you can make a case that Washington needs a quarterback over them. Um, Philadelphia, if they in the, anybody in the NFC East, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have to go through the list. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's there, then absolutely. But I don't I don't think it's there. And I think that, Cras- that Prescott will be their guy. Uh, give me some landing spots if they don't re-sign Dak Prescott. Where do you where could you see him play next year? That's, that's a good question because, you, you know, I, I think it's still maybe too early to tell. Um, and also, too, what does the cap look like? With um, You didn't even see with the NBA. I know it's a completely different sport. But with, you know, with how COVID – has made its impact on the NBA, and now they have to, you know, reschedule around. Guys might have to set deals right away because of, you know, there's not as much money. I, actually, I'm not for sure. You know, I don't, I don't know who needs what. Um, you know, because, because, you, you know, maybe some teams decide to move on from, from their, from their starting quarterbacks and go on a draft. And maybe there's a team that can maybe win. You know, can put a quarterback on the field that can maybe, you know, win now. You know, so it, it's. I think to me right now, it's still a little bit too early to tell. I actually, haven't even gotten that far yet. Okay. So, Chicago, they have a championship defense that they're essentially wasting right now with this offense. Two things are true when you have a really good defense. They get old and they get expensive really quick. Uh, 
Nick Foles, he's two and four as their starter. Their rush yards per game, their total yards per game, and their points per game are all down since they've made the switch to Mitch, from uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Should they make the switch back to him? We talked about this before, and things have essentially they've gotten worse since they've done it. Should they go back to him now to save their season? So I I, I still stand by what I said the last time is I will go with no because I think the Bears organization has decided to move on from Mitchell Trubisky. So you don't want to open Pandora's box again by going back to that. Um, now, listen, uh, I believe the NFL are pro- approved a proposal at least, or maybe they approved an official deal to add an eighth team, if I'm not mistaken, to the playoffs. So, I mean, <clears throat> you'll have an opportunity to get in the playoffs. And, and still, even though they've lost three straight, they're sitting at five and three, they, they, they're still in the mix to, to get a wild card problem. They probably won't catch the Packers, I, I don't think, even though, you know, they're not that far behind. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I don't know. I think that, like I said, I think the Bears have moved on, and Nick Foles is the direction that they decided to go in. But yes, the offense has been terrible. They can't run the ball, and because nobody respects, you know, Nick Foles as a passer, um, and so it, it definitely hurts them. And, and the defense is 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 great enough to win them games, but at this pace, they won't be able to do much if they can't find the end zone. Right. So let's go to the AFC now. Cam Newton, he played very well on Monday night. Gave me a scare as a Patriots fan early on. These next eight games are the most crucial of his career because essentially he's auditioning because they're, he's, they're not, he's not going to come back to New England. They're not going to bring him back. They're not going to do what they're doing this year. They're not going to run it back. So we know that he has a limited supporting cast in New England. What does he have to do to prove to these teams that he's still a starter? I, I think um, <laughs> I, I think <clears throat> Cam Newton is for sure still a starter. Now, he might not be a franchise quarterback at this point. I, I think I, I, I am there, but... If you're Chicago, would you rather have Cam Newton or Nick Foles? Oh, right? Cam Newton. I mean, yeah, they should they yeah, should have done that before the season. Agree, and then, like you can go down a list of other teams that have starting quarterbacks. You know that Cam Newton could still play over. Right now, once again, I'm not saying he comes to your franchise now and he's your franchise guy, but maybe he is somebody that you, you draft a quarterback who's maybe not ready yet. Maybe might might need at least a year, maybe two years, and he can he can be that guy and still put your team in position to win now. Why you draft, draft and develop that quarterback? So um, I, I don't think Cam Newton has to do a ton. I mean, you know, he he can definitely play better, but once again, that supporting cast is very limited. Their defense isn't what what it was either, and people are you know are, are making comparisons. Oh, well, this didn't happen with Brady. Well, Brady had last year. They had like the number one defense in the league, and now their defense is, is not very good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you saw how many points they gave up to the Jets. So I mean, that tells you all you need to know right there. So um, yeah, I think Cam Newton's fine. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think he played better earlier in the season. Uh, but you, if you watch that, that game against the Jets, he made some plays that a lot of quarterbacks can't make. Scrambling out of the pocket, you know, um, you know, creating, creating for others and what he was able to do on the run as well. He gives the Patriots a different level of flexibility that they didn't have under Tom Brady. But, I, I mean, yes, he, he he's not the MVP Camden when we saw going back to that Carolina Panthers stage. Okay. So let's talk about two surprise teams in the AFC. The Dolphins have been one of the more impressive teams over the mo- last month and a half. Brian Flores has built a real defense. Tua looked really good in his second start. And then the Raiders. They have wins over the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Saints. We don't really talk about them a lot. Derek Carr is playing his best ball since 2016. Are both of these teams playoff teams? I certainly can be. Um, I, I like. I do like what's going on in Miami for them to make that switch to Tua and then 
have ratted off two two straight wins after making kind of a you know surprising move at the time when um, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing so well for that team. Uh, Brian Flores sh- certainly should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year right along with Mike Tomlin. Um, and then you go to Las Vegas, yeah, man, like they they've been they've been uh, pretty impressive over there. So I think I don't think they're as good talent wise as, as maybe some of the other teams, um, like the Kansas City, uh, you know, team in the AFC West, but they've got it done. Uh, Jacobs has, has played very well. Derek Carr has stepped up when needed. And the defense has shown a lot of flashes as well, too. So I think to answer your question, though, I think both can be playoff teams, especially with that with that um, eighth team possibly added to the uh, AFC playoffs this year. Okay. Um, on Sunday, Baltimore did something that they haven't done with Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. They won a game after trailing at halftime. He was 10 for 10 in the second half against a very good Colts defense on the road. There are still some concerns when it comes to his passing because we've seen it all season. Can he take this Ravens team to a Super Bowl? He can. I mean, he will have to play better as a quarterback, um, like just through the air. He's going to have to do that. You know, that stat, he's going to have to fix that stat and, 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 and fix that moving forward because in, in the playoffs, that might come. And teams will force him to, um, to make make him beat them with his arm. And so, um, you know, I, I think some of the criticism of Lamar, of Lamar Jackson overall is a little bit overblown. Like, the guy did win the MVP last year. You know, sure, he has his flaws and, and can fix his pa- – and, like, needs to fix his passing. But I, I think people are so quick to jump, oh, like, as soon as they see exactly what they're looking for, they run with that. And, you know, he can still develop. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is his third year as quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's only 23. At time, yeah, at the same time, like, he still is – the reigning MVPs. Let's let's be clear here. Like I say, he does have flaws and, and, and they need to be fixed. But I think every time somebody, you know, oh, he can't win the big game, which I, which I don't believe that's not true. Um, and oh, like you know, they see the passing flaws. Like, look, you know, he still has time to develop. And it's like, okay, even if that's even, you know, if I take it to where he hasn't been able to win the big games, which like I said, I don't believe is true, and he does have passing flaws. Okay, so what? You moving on? Like the, the Ravens are supposed to move on from the from you know, last year's MVP because he couldn't fit into that window at that at that specific play in the fourth quarter like what are we doing here i don't understand some of the criticism that he gets but yes some of some of it does need to be fixed i agree the steelers they're atop the afc north they're eight and zero, but i still feel like there's a big gap between them and kansas city what do you say to that yeah i mean i think kansas city i i, I do think kansas city still is the best team even though they have one loss like i said sometimes you play a divisional opponent all from familiarity. Sometimes you, you drop that game, so I don't, you know, hold that against Kansas City. You lost, okay, cool, and they bounce back and they look like Kansas City. Yeah. You know, I was expecting, right? So I think Steelers are still very good. You know, um, obviously they're undefeated, um, but their defense has shown up. Um, we had to check on Big Ben and see how how that knee is doing because if he's out, then I don't trust um, you know the backup QB uh, was Mason Rudolph to really do it do much for them moving forward but i mean i, I do think Steelers are legit but I, I do think it is kansas city and everybody else is chasing them. yeah i agree well uh chancellor i want to thank you for agreeing to talk to me again always love your input we'll definitely want to have you again on very soon sounds good man appreciate you bro yep all right man take care yes sir